Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. When I was in elementary school, I had this really intense school principal. It was like a drill sergeant and a cranky lunch lady had a baby and this was their child. And unfortunately, one of the things I remember most about her is how often she yelled at the school congregation. And this was a school that was attached to a church. And sometimes I can remember we'd go into the church for song practice. And one of the most, the clearest memories I have of her is us in this church singing and her prodding us to sing louder and louder and her yelling, I don't think God can even hear you. And of course, you know, that's strange because we're in a church, like obviously God is here. So it was one of those things where I was just very always on edge with her and always feeling like I was being measured or assessed, you know, and one of the things that was scariest for me was our school lineups in the morning. We'd line up by height in front of the school flagpole, and I was always the shortest kid in my class. And I was also a nervous chewer. (laughs) I don't know if you've got a kid like that, you know, a kid that you go in their backpack and every pencil has chew marks on it, or they're the kid that chews the gum and the wrapper, you know, because there's nothing like the taste of spearmint and aluminum. (laughs) That was me. And so I was always constantly chewing on the sleeves of my sweatshirt. And I was terrified. I remember one day distinctly, you know, she's walking up the rows inspecting the students getting ready for school. And she's picking apart kids for having slouchy pants or for wearing mismatched socks. And I thought, oh, she's going to get to the front of this line and she's going to see that these sleeves just have holes in them from how much I've been chewing. And I I was just afraid of what was going to come next. And so there I was as she was walking up and down the rows and I was quickly like trying to shove the sleeve up into my palm and just keep it tucked into my side so that she wouldn't see it. And thankfully she did pass by, but there were instances like this constantly, you know, and I was either trying to just make myself really small and hide so that she wouldn't notice me or I was trying to be the model student so that she'd be approving of me, that she'd be proud of me, and that I would be okay. And I bring this up because sometimes this is the way that we view God. For decades, I thought of God in this same way. I thought of him as this harsh headmaster or this celestial police officer who was just watching me, waiting for me to make a mistake. And so like with this school principal, I was trying to do things to make sure God was pleased with me, to make sure I was performing well for him. 
You know, I called this Philly Socks Christianity. Some of us grew up in churches where we needed to show up on Sunday perfectly polished with our white Philly socks on. And I didn't really even realize that I was doing this in my heart, you know, that by all of the volunteering that I was doing or being the last person to leave, that what I was doing while I felt like I was serving God deep down, I was trying to make sure that He would be okay with me. And sometimes, though, while there's a performance aspect, there's also the other side of the equation where we may do things to hide and to shrink and to step back from God if we're not really sure where He is or if we feel like maybe He's disinterested in some way, if we feel like maybe this is really actually way more up to us than we even maybe realize, then we may do things to just pull away, you know, stop going to church or stop engaging with church community. You know, it may seem that a lot of these things, maybe they're just not worth the trouble, and so we pull back from them entirely. And I can tell you what really brought this to front and center for me was this season of life, was getting divorced and becoming a single mom. And it was because I was in a circumstance that, of course, I never planned to be in. And honestly, I felt like God would be displeased with me if I was. And so I avoided this season of life as long as I could. And so in doing this, though, it was this sense of, God, are you even okay with me now? Now that I've gone off into the world of, you know, what is not your design, what you didn't plan in terms of your design for marriages and family and those sorts of things, are you okay with me now? And something that highlighted this even was the sense that I don't know if other people are okay with me either. They don't seem to be. There was a lot of falling off at that point, a lot of people that disappeared from my life, but then also people that would make these offhanded comments, you know, and say things like, I'm contending for your marriage. And when things like that happen, you know, and we're not sure if God's okay with us and we're not sure if other people are okay with us, it's, it, it causes us to question everything in the way that we relate to Him. You know, and there are some things that happen to us that are awful, you know. Maybe even in your life, it's been that way for as long as you can remember. And when those bad things happen, it is often this sense of where were you and are you good? Or if we're looking at our own choices, the things that we know we've done wrong, you know, it is this confusion about what God could still do. You know, perhaps we've blown it. Perhaps this is all that there is, and we need to pay the price for all of these things that we've done. And we can't really expect much more to come from our lives. You know, and I've gotten to that place before, of this place of, you know what, I guess this is just the way that things are. This is going to be all that there is, you know, that it's done for me, but I at least can have a hope and a prayer that maybe things will be okay for my kids. But as far as it it looks for me, you know, I think it's it's all done. You know, I, I don't see that God can do anything more with this. And in wrestling with this question today, I want us to consider, though, what if this is not all that there is? What if God is not done yet? What if there is more ahead? And what if you and I were made for more? With all of the difficult things that you and I have gone through, it's really hard sometimes to 
rest in that understanding, to believe that that could even possibly be true. And one of the reasons is because our circumstances confront us day in and day out. They are right in our faces. And the things that we have to deal with, the things that we are afraid of, they're real. You know, of course, there's worrying about things that may never happen and trying to plan ahead, knowing that our circumstances put us at some disadvantages. But there are also these really real hard things that you and I have to confront in raising our kids every day, things that we didn't want for ourselves and things that we didn't want for our kids. And so because these circumstances are so in our face and so consuming, it can be very hard to get our heads above water and to even have the ability to look around and see possibility. Honestly, it really seems like this is all so final sometimes. But... God has the final word. And this is what we see in scripture over and over and over again. When I was getting divorced, because I didn't know who God was or what he thought about me, I went on a deep dive into the word. And God met me so beautifully there and revealed to me all of these stories, all of these situations where there are people in the Bible who are just like you and me. There's even single moms in the Bible who are dealing with a lot of these very same issues that you and I are dealing with. And the good news is these stories show us that God comes through. These stories show over and over and over again that He has the final word. But here's the terrible thing. Many of these stories are never ever told. There are stories in the Bible of God rescuing abused women and God coming through for vulnerable widows and all of these people who are just so desperately in need. And yet these stories are so often glossed over. Or if they are told, they're told without the context of the time. You know, this is the case with like the woman at the well, for example, that her story has so many deep, beautiful layers of how God is drawing us towards him in times where we would be isolating ourselves. But that constantly gets missed because the story is not only told from maybe an incomplete perspective, it's told from perhaps even a very wrong and erroneous perspective. We can see that in the Bible, God talks differently to his daughters. He talks compassionately to his daughters. You know, we can see in the book of John that there's a woman who's caught in the middle of the act of adultery. She is caught in the middle of a humiliating circumstance, making some pretty bad choices. And yet we see Jesus saying to her, I don't condemn you. We see a woman who has a chronic health condition. She's been dealing with this hemorrhaging for 12 years and where other people would have seen her as like, ooh, stay away from her. Don't let, you know, whatever she's got on her get on you, which if you're a single mom, I know that you know that feeling. But this is what she's having to carry around. Again, this humiliation every day. And she reaches out to touch Jesus and he says, take heart, my daughter. He says, I see you, I see your faith, and I'm so proud of you. And this is the way that Jesus reveals to us the heart of God the Father and how he desires that his daughters know how beloved and treasured that they truly are.
we see in scripture that Jesus treats vulnerable, wounded, rejected, outcasted people so differently than the way that their society or even their religious leaders were treating them. And it is no different today. You might have felt written off or discarded or rejected or abandoned because of the circumstances of your life, and God does not see you that way at all. Our society tells us that God helps those who help themselves. That, you know, if you got yourself into this predicament, well, you should be able to find yourself the way out of it. But that is not what scripture says. It says, if we look at 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says that God chooses the things that the world considers to be foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. It says he chooses the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And so you being in a situation that feels somewhat humiliating or where you feel this sense of being disadvantaged can often leave you feeling like God forgot about, God forgot about me. God is not moving in my life. He's not there for me. Where you feel forgotten, God says, no, you are favored. Feeling weak and powerless is not exactly in the situation that any of us want to be in. But God says that his power works best in weakness. You know, and you and I don't have it all together. We can't hide the fact that we don't have it all together. You know, I know that humiliation of like walking into a room, especially if you're walking into church or something like that, and all these eyes being on you. Like suddenly everybody thinks that they know you and your story because you're rolling in with all of these kids and no ring on your finger. You know, and you've seen those glances. You know what it's like when people back away from you. You know, it's like, hi, I'm Michelle and I failed at marriage, <laughs> you know? And the deal is we can't do a lot of things for ourselves. And all of this where we wouldn't choose it puts us in a position where we have to rely on God for a whole lot. We have to start to learn how to have a deep prayer life and how to push in to where he might be taking us, where he might still go, because we can't do it for ourselves. And while, again, this is a situation we wouldn't necessarily choose for ourselves, this is actually how God desires all of his children to be in relationship with him. He wants all of us to be so desperately reliant on him so that he can show himself so kind and so magnificent and so powerful, because when he does show up, there is no explanation for the things that have happened other than but God. When it is clear that we couldn't have done these things for ourselves, then He gets the glory, but it's also for our good. And this is where that, that expression comes from, for our good and for His glory. And it works when we stop trying to do things for ourselves or when we can't do things for ourselves. And we have to do nothing more but press into what he desires to do. And the good news is the Bible shows us God does show up. God loves the underdog. He loves a comeback story. He's still writing all of these stories just like he did in the Bible. He's doing the same thing for you and me. And this is so beautiful for us to know in advance through these stories that God does show up and he does have the final word. 
We cover some of these stories in our new upcoming Bible study. It's called Made for More, Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. And we see some of these untold stories. You know, we see the story of a woman named Abigail. Her story is tucked in the middle of 1 Samuel. And Abigail is married to this abusive man. And we see what God does to not only bring justice for her, but actually to make her then the wife of the future King David. In scripture, we see the story of a single mom named Eunice. She is the mother of Timothy. I mentioned her in our last episode about raising kids who are not like you, especially if they're sons. And the fact that Eunice didn't have a godly man to raise her son with. And yet Timothy ends up with not one but two books of the Bible named after him. And we see stories of vulnerable, outcasted women like Ruth, who was a widow from a foreign land, an enemy land. And Ruth, through the unfolding of things, not only ends up with a generous, godly husband, but also a legacy through the birth of a son that makes her the great, 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 I don't know how many greats, great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. The theme running through all of these stories is that where these women are experiencing loss, where they're experiencing lack, where they're experiencing what it is to have less and to be treated like less, that God shows up and He gives more. You know, and sometimes we see these stories in the Bible and we think, yeah, okay, that's great for them, but it probably won't happen to me, you know, or does even God do those things anymore? And the point is, though, these stories are in there not to show us the exception. They're there to show us the rule. They're there to show us what God does with imperfect people. You know, some of the people in these stories, some of the women, they're downright catty or closed off at some points. You know, they're very even resistant to receiving what God has. But these stories are not there to show us what happens if you work really hard and earn it. These stories are there to show us who God is, that He does these things because it delights Him to do them, and that He is the same God. You know, yes, He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but He's also the God of Abigail and Eunice and Ruth and you and me. And like these women who are down and out, God is still writing our stories too, and He will have the final word. Have you ever looked around at your life and thought, is this really all there is? Plus One Parents is releasing a new paperback Bible study called Made for More, Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. Made for More is your personal guide through six biblical stories that address where is God in rejection, betrayal, loss, and abuse, Does God care about your fear and sadness and anxiety and frustration? And what can God do to take back every last piece of your story, even the mistakes? Made for More releases April 21st, 2023. What you see around you right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. So if all of this was true, if this really is true, if this is who God is, how would it change the way that we lived? How would it change the way that we saw him or saw ourselves? How would it change our sense of what could still be ahead? How could we dare to even believe that we were made for more? Stepping into this, moving towards our one action step, means having to confront those things that are keeping us from being able to put our weight into this, you know, and to really be able to trust God. 
you know, a lot of times we're told, you know, oh, just trust God. And it feels like something that we should just do because he's worth it, right? Or because he said so. But the point is, God wants us to draw close to him in relationship with him, that he can authentically build a relationship with us and build that trust in us that we can move closer and closer into this and embrace it and let it change the way that we live our lives. Let it change the way that we see him and change the way that we see ourselves and change the way that we see what could still be possible. And I always say that like with any relationship where you need to take some time to know that you can trust somebody, God is no different. He wants us to take the time with him to get to know him, to erase all of these things that we've seen before or thought we've seen before, you know, where we thought he's this celestial police officer or this harsh headmaster. He wants us to bring that stuff to him, bring our questions, let us wrestle with these things and come out seeing who he really is. And so our one action step for today, you can even start this today, is just to do something, to spend some time to get to know God, to get to know Him in a new way, in a different way. Maybe you choose a different thing, but find a new way to discover, apart from your past experiences, who God says He is and who He shows Himself to be. And these can be really incremental, small things. You know, I'm talking about something you can do actionably today. It doesn't necessarily have to look like a New Year's resolution where I'm going to change my whole schedule. It may grow into that. But for today, it's giving God a seed, saying, I want to know you more and letting him grow that in you. So even if it's today, you just choose, I'm not going to listen to anything except worship music. Or maybe you pick out a new devotional that's going to give you a verse of the day to read for the next few days next few weeks. Maybe perhaps if it's something like watching a movie or a show like The Chosen, for example, that just gives you a new picture of what scripture lived out in context looks like. The one thing I'll say with The Chosen is just to know that there's a little bit of fiction. There's a little bit of storytelling in there, but it still could be super helpful to just get to pull in some of what these people's personalities may have been like and understand how Jesus had compassion um, as he walked amongst these people. And even as I'm talking to you, you might have a sense of what this thing could be for you. And I want to invite you to chase that down. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come closer. And as you choose this one thing for today, I, the reason I want you to choose something small is because I want it to be something for you that you feel like you could do again tomorrow, something you could do again the next day. Because the deal is, as we get to know God as He is, we start to see ourselves as He sees us. We start to see our lives as something He is still working in. We get to see just what He might still be up to in our stories. And it starts with little steps like this. You know, I became a single mom five years ago. And it was something that, as I said, rocked my world. My, my life got totally flipped upside down, right? And five years ago, while I was in this space of trying to figure out who I was, who God was, what He said, and I was so beautifully met in the Word, 
things began to change. Life began to actually have possibility and seem exciting. You know, God would lead me to one place and the next and the next. And five years ago, I didn't have any thought of doing a blog or a podcast or Bible studies or any of this stuff. But this isn't about what I'm doing or, or anything about what I'm capable of. I'm not capable of any of this stuff without Him. This is about what He's doing. And if He did it for all of these women in the Bible, and He is doing it in my life, He is doing it for you. The truth is, He was not flipping my life upside down. He was flipping it right side up. And to me, He's not a police officer anymore. He is my rescuer and my savior and my redeemer and my father and my protector. He's my best friend. And I don't have to prove myself anymore because I know who He is and I trust that He has the final word. And as good as I can tell you that all of this has been and is, I know that even in my life, He's still not done. He's not done yet. He's not done with me and He's not done with you. There is more and you and I were made for it. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember, you are seen and you are beloved.